do not worry about what you shall wear to your clothes. And then I, I would have worked in your body if I um, there's a video that's going to come up. Is that sound going to work on that? Oh, yeah, we have two videos coming up. Okay. <coughs> All right. Uh, so we're at the part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, some of this may be familiar, but it's, it's something that we do need to discuss. I look forward to discussing with you guys. Um, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So notice that Jesus does not say, um, put your heart, put your treasure where your heart is. He says, where your treasure is is automatically where your heart will be. So when we think about where is our treasure, uh, I always think of that scene from um, Do Not Seek the Treasure. You guys know that one from uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Do Not Seek the Treasure. Um, Coen Brothers, I wonder if they made a reference to this. Maybe. Um, so how do you know where your treasure is? Well, look up, look at where you spend most of your time, most of your thoughts. Back in the day when we used checkbooks, I used to say, look at your checkbook register. You guys know what a checkbook register is? <laughs> uh, so now I guess look at your checking account <laughs> statement or your, your Venmo. I don't know. Look at, <laughs> look at it. Look at all the places your money is so going. Your snap cash. <laughs> probably what? for you guys is going to be Jimmy John's and other fast food places. And like that. That's where your treasure is. Uh, your belly, your food. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That sounds almost like Buddha or something. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? The light within you is darkness. How great is that? <coughs> what, what does that mean? Just share some thoughts. I guess it's almost amplified because it's something dark, but you think it's so positive that you really hold on to it. So you think it's giving you more light, but it's actually bringing more darkness in. Um, one of my colleagues, Earl Lavender, used to say, people pray for a good parking spot at the mall so that God can help them park closer to the place where they go in and get further away from God. <coughs> prophetic. Because when you walk through a mall, even if you're just going for fun, as we used to do when my daughters were younger, uh, I learned this when I got married into an Insta family uh, of daughters when I was just a single dude before, that you could go to a mall for fun. Like, I just went to a mall to, to get things. But we, on Friday nights, would go to the mall as something to do as a family. And when you walk around the mall, no matter what clothes you're wearing, 
you see, close in a little bit more than the place that you're in. That's the purpose of the mall. It forms, these are activities in our American culture that actually form us into consumers. We don't often think about it. We think we're just going to the mall. But you're going there, you think you're bringing more light into your life and it's bringing more darkness into your life. So if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. So we have to beware of this consumer materialism. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So let's start. Um, I would like to have a little bit of both. Well, maybe a lot of God. But want money too, right? Um, cannot serve both God and money. Do you believe that? Tough. How do you show that you control your money and your money doesn't control you? Not buying the clothes that you want more at the mall. <laughs> That's right. Go to the mall <laughs> and, and don't, don't buy anything. <laughs> go to Target. We used to go to Target. It was $100. Oh, Every trip to Target was $100. Even we just went in there to get something else. Hmm. Um, also, they get devoting money to God first, right? you know, instead of what we have left over. Yeah. Yes. Um, somebody has said that. The only way to show that you control your money is if you if you can give some away. Yeah. If you can give money away, then that shows that you are control you are deciding you are controlling the money and not God. Okay. Um, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food, and the body. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Um, so lots of things in there. Um, we're going to um, watch a video um, which is from a British comedy group. And in some ways I look at Britain as kind of the way America is going to be in a hundred years or so. And they're post-Christian now, and this comedy troupe, I guess is a TV show, and I'm not exactly sure I got it on YouTube, but you can make fun of anything now. 
can, and they make fun of what Jesus says here. Um, I've shown it to sort of Jesus class more that you were in one time several years ago, and uh, it became this thing that the class did. But it, it's kind of it's making fun of what Jesus says. But I want us to watch it because I, I want us. I think it helps us think. Number one, it helps us think what people think about Christianity that aren't Christians, which is always good to know and think about. And then how would we respond to... They're bringing up a, a, a problem here with this verse. Um, but let's see if we if it will load. Um, this is kind of like a Monty Python-ish type group. So, I say to you, it is easier for a camel or a very large piece of rope, depending on what translation of me speaking now you are using in the future, to pass through the eye of a or the needle, likewise, than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Ah. Not saying ah, Matthew. What ails you? I'm sore afraid, Lord. Sore. Don't, don't <laughs> laugh, Judas. Obvious what he meant. We've been away from our jobs following you, and mm. I have no money to buy food or clothes. Consider the lily of the field. Get. <laughs> See how they grow, and yet they neither toil nor spin. So I say to you, Matthew, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor about your body and what clothes you shall put on it. Ah. So, so what are you saying? Ah. No, no, stop saying ah. I, I don't understand. Don't you understand? I do. I understood right away. It's easy. Consider the lilies. Well, I have done. Well, um, consider it a bit more. Yes, Matthew. Consider. Shut up! I have considered it. I've considered it as much as I can. It's a lily. <laughs> if the Lord God so clothes the lily, will he not much more clothe you, O man of little faith? Ah. Look, stop going ah, all right? Stop helping you going ah, as if it's obvious what you're saying. It is obvious. No, it isn't. What you're saying is saying that we don't need to go to work. All we need to do is be like a lily, go out in the field, lie naked, and then God's just going to automatically give us food and clothes, is he? Ah, no! No! Ah. Don't, no, stop saying consider the lily, all right? It doesn't make any sense what you're saying. The reason a lily doesn't ah. need to go out to work, stop saying ah, all right, and listen, it just gets food, nutrients, from the soil, from photosynthesis. But I can't do that, can I? I'm, I can't, I haven't got any roots, I haven't got any... Chlorophyll in me, have I? Not magic. Ah. No, not art. I'm a man, not a plant. We're not the same. You are. No, consider, we're not. The lily. No, screw the lily. <laughs> screw it up. It's not enough, is it? Just to go consider the lily. Ah. And then go up. Ah. It's not enough. It's not an R situation. I've got my wife on my back, right? Don't make a face like that, Jesus. Saying, oh, well, I want some money for sandals for the kids. You know. No, well, I don't care. What am I going to say to you? Oh, it's all right. Don't worry, I'm just going to lie nude in a field. That'll sort it out. No. Consider. No. Answer the question. Well, Peter understood what I meant, didn't you, Peter? Yes, Lord. Exactly, so... It's Pimpsy. Yeah. So Peter can explain it to you, Matthew, now, perhaps. Oh, I've got to go back in a bit. 
Well, you know, consider the lily. That's it. <laughs> ah. Ah. So, um, we'll put the passage back up, but just talk about what do you think is the, I'm going to assume, genius of what Jesus is saying, um, and then we'll talk practically about how, how we can move this out. But, uh, take some time to talk. Go ahead. After you say something smart, Rose, and do it. <laughs> we kind of we were talking just in context of you know um, just you can't serve God and money right and in the context of that and then this falling um, if you are so focused on I guess material things, well then what are you serving, right? You're serving material things. So um, if you can't serve God money, you know, then we would in that context be serving that if that's all we're focused on. Yeah. Everybody's gonna serve somebody. Um, that's, that's a song by that guy that writes all the songs. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan. That's Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. He does write all the songs. Everybody's going to serve somebody. Because some people say, you know, I'm, I don't want to serve God. I'm like, okay, well, then who are you going to serve? You're going to serve somebody. Right? Um, and so if you don't serve God, you're probably going to serve consumerism and whoever dies within those stories. Because it becomes about the life. What kind of life can I have for myself or for my family? Or you could have some humanitarian interest, but I wonder. Yeah. Good. Uh, let's go to the back. You're in the back. We, we I did most of the talking and dominated our conversation <laughs> with a, a little bit of an
talking to people that could die of starvation. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to do with that. So, um, <coughs> is it possible to be poor and still be greedy? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, one of the things that sticks out to me from this is that he says your Heavenly Father knows what you need. So, I think that... That means that when we pray for to God for whatever we're praying for, we're praying to a Father, in the best sense of that term, who knows what we need. So we're not begging, or we're not trying to advise Him, advise God of things that He doesn't know about. But what does it mean to pray to somebody who already knows what you need, and ask for things that What's that relationship like? And so this is this is a call to radical trust in God to provide that then takes the pressure off of us. To, so if you're poor and don't know where your next meal's coming from, that that becomes very real. That we have to ask God for what we need and trust that God will do this for us. But I also don't know that God ever promised us that. Right, right. And so he says, you know, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. That has to be very general. And it also has to be more spiritual than physical. So that, that's what drives me to understand some of this in a more spiritual sense. But I don't want to just make it spiritual because then it gets us off the hook with all our nice stuff. Um, it's a beautiful image of what the kingdom of God will be someday. And if we all actually live like the right. Sermon on the Mount calls us to live, right. then this would be easy. We right. would take care of one another. Yes. People would have enough food and enough clothes, but that's not the reality of the world. So Jesus is trying to construct a kingdom of followers around that share everything. I'm not talking about communism, but I mean that take care of each other. So if you are in a good church community that cares, <laughs> You do have what you need because everybody takes care of it. So there, there's a. I, I've always, in abstract, wanted to live in a commune. I don't know the practicality I would like it, but in abstract, that that would be the way to live because you don't have to worry so much about getting all. You know, like I think about it. I live in the suburbs, right? The thing about the suburbs that strikes me is every house we like. We all have our own lawnmower. I'm like, why do we all need our own lawnmower? We're not all mowing our lawns at exactly the same time. We can right. share a lawnmower, right. you know? And I actually did with my neighbor. We shared, he used my lawnmower. I'm like, yes, please use my lawnmower. That way you don't have to buy one. Right. You know, just think about how much better life would be if we shared things and then all have to have our own thing. Well, and, and I would say even to the comment of, like, everyone he talked to, especially in this context, was poor. Well, we know that it isn't completely true. You know, there were people who were helping fund the ministry as it as it as it was. Same with Paul. What I but I, I think what if anything, it's like he's trying to maybe even speak to those who have the access to all of the money. Don't remember, we're not trying to be like these pagans who run after all of these such things. And so look at what look at what we've gathered here, like. We need to care for 
And so hopefully the, the hope for us is that, like you said, those of us that have the monies are now giving the monies away so that we're providing the, the clothes and the food and the shelter for those that do not have. And maybe it's, you know, giving those that are poor, like, hope, like, look, we, God knows, like, but don't, don't add another thing on top of the already thing that's happening in your life by worrying about having all of the things. Because you're not a pagan. You're trying to follow this new way. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, we, in our discussion, we talked about <clears throat> where I said, like, what we eat, what we drink, and what we wear, like, I feel like Matthew 25, like, parallels this a little bit when it talks, like, that's the passage when it's talking about separating, like, the sheep from the goats, and they're like, Jesus, when did we, like, give you something to eat? Like, when did we give you something to drink or something to wear? And he's like, those that, like, when you did it, the least of those, you did it to me. Um, and in the, in the context of, like, the Sermon on the Mount, I feel like it's just like a call us to like radical, humble, like servitude, and it just it, like it helps it to like shift the focus on like what am I gonna like eat and wear and drink and like maybe towards like other people kind of. Yeah, Matthew twenty-five. Though, there will be a final exam questions to life, and it will it will have oh, there'll be a final exam, and it will have one question, and the one question is how did you respond to people. That's that's a sobering thought. It's not did you believe the right things? Did you have the right doctrine? Not that those things are important, but the question is, how did you respond when people you met people need? And the people that are the sheep said, We didn't even know it was you. We were just acting the way you know you taught us to act. And he says, Well when you help others, you're helping me. So and this gets to what uh, he said earlier about don't do your good things to be seen by others, but just do them those for those people who need. What else? Yes, you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so we continued that conversation a little bit about, like, um, well, first of all, the idea that it's a lot easier for us to not worry about the clothes on our back because we already have it. Um, whereas that contrast with um, people in third world countries where they don't have anything. And something we were talking about is that um, from experience we've seen that like people in third world countries are a lot more worshipful and seem to be more joyful than we are. Yeah. And it's because these verses take on a whole new meaning uh, because they really they really do have to not worry because they really don't have things to think yeah. And also uh, we talked about like how this relates to the video we watched and they kind of took on a meaning to be like not worrying means being passive and not doing anything mm-hmm. whereas uh, we still have we've been given gifts and talents and a purpose in life and we still need to work those out so um, not worrying doesn't mean just waiting for things to happen to you and to be blessed but you still have to live yeah. your life <laughs> the thing about having nice things is then you have to protect those things Right? So that when he says moth and vermin and rust, and have you ever noticed that the, when you when you get the nice thing, and then you spill something on the nice thing, it's a bigger so deal than if you don't have the nice yeah. thing. Um, consignment sales allows my wife to buy our our ten year old 
nice things. Like he has a vineyard, like he had a uh, Patagonia fleece, which he, the first day he wore it, left at school and it's Boston. <laughs> and that's, that's a bigger deal than if you just had a, what's another one that everybody has? It's cheap. I don't know, but. Uh, Massimo. Massimo. I don't know. But it just made me realize that when you buy really nice things for a 10 year old, but then the same thing is true with sunglasses or pens or whatever you oh, have that's nice means. I buy cheap, that's why I buy cheap sunglasses. Yeah. I will lose them, 100%. Okay, uh, what else up here? Uh, we talked a little bit about kind of going off the video. Um, he's talking about us being like a flower. Um, I think we see the emphasis in verse 30 where it's like talking about the flower, but then it says, will he not much more clothe you? Um, so he's saying like even if something as simple as a flower is like being taken care of with its basic needs, uh, God is caring much more for us than a flower. Um, so that, that that we can have faith in that fact that God is providing the basic needs um, for us. But that also just made me think of um, how they were talking about how like there are people who starve to death and there are people who like at some point don't get those basic needs. So I think that brings up like an interesting conversation. It's on us to take care of other people, to take care of others and share our stuff. And I think underlying this is a sense that you know Jesus is rhetorically over the top in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and I guess you could technically say, well, if any, any Christian who's seeking the first kingdom of God ever starves to death, it proves that the Bible is wrong. Because it says, seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And if somebody starves to death, then... But I think... So I think the response to that is that underlying this physical is a spiritual sense in which spiritually we will have everything that we need. And then if the community as a whole is living and following Jesus, then that means that also physically we will provide for others as well. But it's not meant to be universal every single case. All right, I don't... Uh, you want to watch this video or no? It's uh, five or six minutes. Mm. It's up to you. What do you guys think? We'll watch some of it. Want some of it? Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, one. You won me over with that. <laughs> when How I Met Your Mother first went on the air, I ran into an actress that I uh, knew, I and she him. said, "Are you just like so happy all the time?" Why am I unhappy? Okay, okay, so Stephanie Gaga hybrid person. Why are you unhappy? Why is it that you want to quit music? And I remember thinking, like, like, oh, that sitcom's coming. Like, that sitcom, it's coming, it's coming. And when I got it, I mean, I won't say it was a depression, but you kind of go through a disappointment because it can't, it, that fame or that thing didn't satisfy the way you thought it was going to satisfy. I had bought into the not uncommon notion that when I taste success, when I get over there, then I'll be happy. But the strangest thing happened. As the show got more successful, 
I got more depressed. I thought it would be good to be rich and famous. It would be good to be the opposite of this. It would be good to have stuff. It would be good to have money. It would be good to be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited. I've been in. We're having this chat in a private Swiss members club in East London. It's super cool. There's bare brick walls. Everyone's double good looking. But I've been inside now. I've seen the other side of the looking glass. It ain't fucking worth it. It's not good. Don't feed your soul. I still feel empty inside. I had everything that I could want. Even then. I had... I was a millionaire. I had a beautiful, beautiful women in my life. I had um, cars, a house, an incredible, uh, a solid gold career, and, and a future. And yet, on a daily basis, I wanted to commit suicide. As a Beatle, we made it, and there was nothing to do. We had money, we had uh, fame, and there was no joy. The media told me every day, and it's telling you every day, what it is to be successful. So you've got MTV Cribs, you've got billionaires in front of your face, you have these, these extrinsic, external goals that will say, oh, Tom Shadiak has arrived. He has the right house, the right car, he flies privately. And when I got there, it was empty. I was successful in the music business, I was successful in modeling, in television, in real estate. So I made all this money and I had all this success. And here I was going, Okay, I still don't feel any different. We are told that if we're beautiful, if we're skinny, if we're successful, famous, if we fit in, um, if everyone loves us, that we'll be happy. But that's not entirely true. I don't like uh, wasting my time spending days just shaking people's hands and smiling, taking selfies. It feels shallow to my existence. I have a lot more to offer than my image. I don't like being used to make people money. I uh, feel s sad when uh, I am overworked and that I just become a money-making machine and that my passion and my creativity take a back seat. That makes me unhappy. If you are looking for fame to define you... It's more and more of this, but um, you can look it up uh, on YouTube on your own. But I, the power of that to me is a lot of things <coughs> that culture says that defines success and making it as becoming famous and becoming like these people. And when you hear people who have all that stuff who say that is empty, I think it confirms the truth of what Jesus is saying, that when the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If you think what's going to bring you happiness turns out after you get it to bring you sorrow, that's a deep, deep sorrow. So we have to find ways of defining success and resisting the consumer culture that we are just just we drink like fish lives in water doesn't know it's in water we don't realize what it does to us uh, to live in a culture that prizes uh, having enough money to get the stuff to get the things so uh, it's good for us to hear people that have those things uh, talk about the emptiness of that that we realize there's something more to life than just getting the things. Alright, so if you're interested in that video, it's pretty good, it goes on. It's not a Christian-done video, but it's a good... Not all those people are Christian. Um, did you recognize everybody? There's some in there that... I start getting into the Instagram people and stuff, I don't know those people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. I, the only thing I would say is that this list that is compiled here is a good list, so if uh, you take a photo or write some of this down, this could be a good things to reflect on this week on the attempt to the spiritual 
discipline of simplicity, which is what we all need a, a little bit more of. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, for Thanks. meet somebody.